in this week, uh, we are talking about student life and co-curricular activities on Let's Talk Ed. Uh, Chris Ford and myself, Zahi Atala, this, in this segment are discussing the importance of all of those uh, activities, whether co-curricular or uh, as they pertain to student life on retention and success. And Chris, in the last segment toward the end, you spoke uh, very saliently about how uh, teachers can come in, whether as instructors in the classroom or was, uh, whether they are advisors to a club, uh, how they can come in and create those uh, opportunities and enhance the experiences of the students and possibly um, enhancing retention and success. Lead us through this conversation. I liked where you're going with it. Yeah. You know, so often when we think about things like retention and success, we're thinking exclusively of, of helping those students out that, you know, maybe circling the drain, so to speak, with their grades, making sure they're getting to their classes, turning in their assignments, things like that. But retention can and should be much more than that. And, yeah. and, and part of it, really is is feeling that sense of belonging to where you are. And and that's really when we're talking about all of these different student experiences, that's what it's all about is is finding the people where you feel like you belong, uh, finding those opportunities. And and you and I who who spend so much of our career in that two-year college space is tricky. Because you're you're talking about students from a wide variety of different populations. If you're at a traditional residential four-year university, typically your students are all you know in that traditional college age, and mm -hmm. it, it becomes a little bit easier. But you get to that community college level, you have people anywhere from your traditional college students all the way up to you know, adults who are going for that second degree or starting over or, or whatever. And you do have the single parents. You, you have the 18, 19, 20-year-olds. You have all of those things. So a, a one-size-fits-all solution is going to be very hard at that two-year level. So, you know, part of it is uh, as instructors are coming up with ideas and maybe they have something where they want to take students out of the classroom, for example, it becomes a little bit easier because conceptually, you know, that should fit schedules. But if you're asking for, you know, students to show up all at seven o'clock on a Tuesday night, for example, uh, that could be very difficult for your adult age students who may be balancing work and family responsibilities and all of that. So there should be a little bit of thought into how can we take experiences like that and still extend those to a wide population? Because frankly, even with our traditional age students, we see a lot of them working, uh, you know, heavy part-time, if not full-time jobs. That is absolutely true. Uh, gonna, you know, Zahi always refers to numbers, but when I, uh, I I started my career in administration and career technical education, it was very obvious from the get go that the average age in career technical education is 
quite a bit higher than transfer. And I can give you a salient example. When I was at the technical college in South Central Wisconsin, the average age was nearing 30. So that idea of an 18, 19 year old is, is there, but it's now diluted in the larger population that's significantly older. And as you've spoken about a number of times, the older you are, the more life requirements come in the way. So how can we create those opportunities? And the pandemic uh, that hit us three years ago showed us that we can be innovative. So many colleges that, that pivoted to online also pivoted their student life and activities to an online format with quite a bit of success, maybe not from the first day. So uh, I, think, I think what you're raising is an absolutely significant and germane point. And I think I'm just parroting, uh, you know, what everybody thinks when I say the student that sticks with college and school longer is going to likelier to succeed. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so one of the things that, you know, as we brainstorm for topics, one of the things that kind of helped me land in this location is at the college that I work are. Uh, nursing Honor Society Alpha Delta Nu put on an event for the entire nursing department. And the basis of it was really kind of mental health and, and study skills. So they had a number of different stations that you could go to that, that talked about, you know, good study skills, positive attitude. Uh, but a couple of things that, that I really liked is you had you know, second year nursing students showing like their binders full of, of notes and information and how they're organizing that to first year students that are just getting started. And, uh, you know, they, they also tried to make this as fun, as engaging as they could. Uh, so there's a good example. And, you know, as we near the end of the semester, colleges all over the country start doing things for finals. And, what are the kinds of things that that our colleges will do for that final exam week when students are very stressed out, uh, they're nervous about what's going on. Um, you know, everybody does something. It may be as simple as we're going to have a breakfast on the first day of finals, or I've seen people bring in therapy dogs. I've seen some people even bring in mental health professionals that will give students an opportunity to you know, talk to them for a very short amount of time just to help them de-stress all of these different things. And those things are very important because students will remember that if there's a therapy dog on campus, they're going to remember that sort of thing. If they have a chance to, you know, pat and interact with that, that dog, um, they'll remember things like that. They sure would. Um, another element as you were speaking, just flesh in, in, uh, my, uh, my mind is the idea that how can we become more friendly to the idea of student growth as opposed to the way we've approached education for decades and not, if not centuries, which is we are a chopping block. The more friendly we become, 
the likelier the student is going to open up, the likelier the student is going to seek the retention services that we have, the counseling service that are stretched too thin and what have you. So, so all of those thing, uh, things enhance the opportunities for success. Now, if you couple them with a building of cohorts, of learning uh, communities and of activities that make it uh, fun and attainable and break down those barriers, I don't see how we would be going wrong. Now, I understand we're all understaffed. I understand that there is a cost associated with it. I understand all of those things. But it's silly to try to recruit individuals and then lose them when they're already in the pipeline. I, I, I get it that in public institutions, we get paid at census date. Okay, that's wonderful. So it's very important to fill our parking lot during the first two weeks of class. But let's face it, m there's more to higher education than bean counting. Absolutely. We you know, really should want our students to succeed. And, you know, success doesn't necessarily mean everybody's going to get an A or, or something like that. But, you know, we, we want our students to succeed and we want our students to feel valued. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's something that that's very important. And, you know, again, like you said, if you, you've got those cohorts built and, and you're doing a variety of different student experiences throughout the semester and then, Toward the end of the semester, during finals, you're doing something, you know, fun and engaging for them. I think you've weaved together a whole lot of things that, that really are setting you up for, for student success and student retention. So we've been talking about all these different student experiences. I'm excited about our next topic, which is going to be what this means for recruiting new students. So that's going to be our next topic on on Let's Talk Ed. So if you enjoy programs like this, be sure and like our channel here on YouTube, subscribe to us, ring that bell so you get notifications. Uh, we'd love for you to like this video, comment, it helps with the algorithm. And of course you can find your uh, all of our, our Let's Talk Ed on all of your favorite podcasting platforms as well. So for Dr. Zahi Atala, I'm Chris Ford. We'll see you next time right here on Let's Talk Ed.